0: Hey everyone, my name is Yarrow, and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. I had a hard time naming this episode because we covered so much ground and I wanted to find, you know, a title that did the conversation justice. I really love, as you know, having second conversations and this one was also um, a conversation with two people at once, which was such a delight. I spoke to Harry Josephine Giles and Dasi Lee of easter road press and um i think to me at the core of this conversation was really a radical reimagination of what health and healthcare is and can be but we also talked about rebuilding queer lives pandemic waves activist burnout running your own zine press finding sources of power and magic um butch fam dynamics so many good things basically Josie and Darcy are currently running a fundraiser that I highly recommend you check out. I think there's also on the Instagram uh, account a um, an auction happening quite soon. And the thing that I'm contributing to it, which I'm mentioning in the middle of the episode, and I want to mention it here too. I really want to find a great person who this offer will be right for. Is a starter website. So maybe you've heard that I'm winding my web design practice down in August because I'm going back to grad school, which I'm really excited for. But I have space for one more website in July, early August. I usually charge a thousand pounds. And in this case, I would ask for a donation of 500 pounds or more to the fundraiser. So I'll link to the web design package in the show notes, and if you're interested, you can either email me or book we'll a call through the link you'll find on the page that I'm linking you to. Um, it's not commitment; we can just chat about whether this would be right for you or not. I know it's still a big investment, even if it's half or more of what it usually costs, but I would just so love to support this fundraiser. So. If you've been wanting to work with me for a while and you have kind of almost whisked the window, then this is like a really cool opportunity to get a bit of a discount and also support to really beautiful people. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day. Hi everyone. As you know, I really love second interviews and this is extra special because not only is it a second half interview, but it's also speaking to two people that I really appreciate. Um, where do I begin? These are people that make really beautiful zines. I was just looking at my zine trunk the other day and I found that as I was prioritizing kind of which one would go on the walls, that actually many of them came from Easter Road Press <laughs> and yeah I, I, I appreciate these people individually but also in their togetherness a lot they run Easter Road Press which is such a beautiful hub for zine making for exploration for um, yeah for just all the different things that I really care about So I'm talking to um, Harry Josephine Giles and Darcy Lee, and I'm gonna let the two introduce themselves. Um, There's so much more I could really say, and I'm sure that I will say as we talk, but firstly, I wanna say welcome. Thank you so much for making time. I'm really excited about your work and about talking to you again.
1: Thank you, it's lovely to be with you.
0: you. Lovely
2: to be with you, yes.
0: So casual question, you know, you can take this in any direction that you like, but I have touched on the many different things that you do. And I wonder if you maybe want to start by saying how you, yeah, how would you describe your work? What is your creative practice like at the moment? And you can take your time answering individually and also together. I want to hear it
1: all. Shall I go first? Please do, yes. I will go first. Um so I'm Harry Josephine Giles, Josie for short. I'm a writer and performer. That's my work. Um I work across theatre and poetry and games. Those are my disciplines, I suppose. Um and I've been doing that for over Ten years now, I suppose, as a job, and that means a lot of different things. So I write books. I have three books that are published. Um, I put on theatre shows. I currently work in the video games industry, which is quite fun. Um, I'm often like bouncing between different projects and commissions and personal missions and all of that. So that's my sort of work and my creative life. Um, and I also, I suppose, as part of that. Alongside that, intersecting with that, um, I do a lot of organising, campaigning and um, autonomous information distribution around trans healthcare. That's kind of my the, the political project that I'm most involved in at the moment after a lifetime of being involved in various different political projects. And both of those get manifested in their own ways through Easter Road Press, which is Darcy's and my uh, joint scene publisher I suppose we're at, what do we call ourselves uh an insurrectionary trans feminist scene press
2: there was there's another word in there, there, is another there word. at least one
1: more but yeah. I can't remember what, what it was words.
2: you can insert your own words um I just passed Josie a note before we got started saying you start because I had thought that um Josie being the professional you know artist public figure Um, public speaker would well be better at starting um a podcast but because I am
1: a professional public speaker performer artist I instead read it as you star did you is that what you read? I thought thought you were complimenting me I thought you were complimenting me
2: (laughs) it said you start and um I now realize that the problem with you starting is that you have this very lengthy, impressive um, intro. Anyway, hi, um, this is Darcy. I have been with you on this podcast before, so it's lovely to be back. Um, My day job is not especially creative, or maybe not in the conventional sense. Um, I am an academic, I research and teach about British colonialism, um, but I'm very much here today to talk about um the creative work that I do around the edges where I'm somewhat of an interloper in um the creative world, which includes as Josie just said, running our zine press. We do a lot of a lot of other things I think under the title of the zine press, you know anything we really want to do, we just whack the zine press name on it, so I have. In addition to writing zines also um facilitated some activist zine writing workshops um made my own butch archive which i might have talked about last time on the podcast um we're running a fundraiser at the moment which i'm sure we will talk about later on this podcast um and what are we up to creatively i think i'm in a period of um contraction i'm sort of trying to do less less and less and less creatively and to focus more on a small number of things that are important to me I think that's probably what I'm up to creatively at the moment yeah
0: thank you I love the turn-taking awkwardness that was really beautiful and I also want to say um Josie that I I saw just one performance of yours and it was so beautiful. I, I can't say that I had been a big fan of theater or that I had an expensive um, understanding of what theater could be. And I think maybe that's because I it's outside my home and there's noises and people involved. So I just never really, really got into it. But in the before times, so that must've been 2019, the festival, I um, I can't remember how, but I somehow, like someone offered me a ticket. And I was like, this is probably meant to be. I should definitely go. And I took my headphones and I was sitting quite far in the front. And it was so beautiful. It really, I felt so immersed and so in like a bubble, even though it was the outside world and there were other people and lots of noises. But it was just really special. And um, it makes me sad that we haven't been able to do that kind of thing in in some time now. And also excited for future people who get to do that. So yeah. Thank you. That's very kind. (laughs) Um, Which is a beautiful bridge to my next question. I really care to hear kind of pe- how people have gone through the pandemic so far. I think we're in this strange spot now in May, 2022, where it really isn't over. There hasn't really been enough processing together. We're just kind of figuring things out, reconnecting in strange and awkward ways, recovering to some extent, but also still living with so much uncertainty about what's next. Um, so yeah, what has the pandemic been like for you and how have you managed
2: am i a star this time you're a star okay great um i'm a a star um i think i don't know i think it's obviously been awful in ways that we can't yet begin to really imagine and i um you know i took the first six months of the pandemic off work with stress that was very much of depression or some sort of distress that was very much a result of attempting to work under capitalism in a pandemic, um, but perhaps I'll say some things about the things that have i don't know if they're good things, but they're sort of changes that I'm appreciating that have come as a result of the pandemic, which is that um firstly i I move around a lot in my everyday life, and I was forced to stay in one place for two years um and that created a lot of space um which was welcome and um a lot of yeah I think I had time to um focus on some things that were important to me and I think a lot of the everyday the the parts of everyday life um that were taking up a lot lot of time and energy pre-pandemic included things like being professional um uh being appropriate <laughs> whatever that means uh upholding some sort of public image those things very much fell a- away somehow i think um yeah so now i'm i am back out in the world again I am um, I'm, I'm not in one place for very long periods of time again and I am going into my workplace and so on even though the pandemic continues but um, it's a lot less bullshit am, am I allowed to say bullshit on your podcast great Yara's yeah, nodding. Um nodding so yeah I'm actually finding myself creating kind of more authentic connections out there in the world because there's less bullshit in the way and I'm I'm very much appreciating that, even while not appreciating, you know, ongoing suffering, and um, loss, and and all those other things that that continue. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I've experienced a related shift, like a related. I I, th- I think I can see it slightly less positively like so the way it sits in me which is that the pandemic has kind of stripped away all of my tolerance and all of my willingness to compromise um, and that's come through horror that like it's it, it, it sort of stripped of necessity stripped that from me and I suppose thinking about how I got there like I spent the first year of the pandemic really heavily and actively involved in local mutual aid work. And that, um, in many ways, kind of got me through the first year, like the energy, optimism, hope, building work of that got me through the first year. And I was pleased and proud to be part of work that was helping other people get through that first year of the pandemic. And then, inevitably, I burned out on it, right? I was working too hard. I was going going too hard and i i had in a typical cycle which i thought i'd grown out of but haven't grown out of totally fell apart and the second year of the pandemic um my mental health was extremely bad um a load of other things happened that made life difficult and so so the last year has been really really challenging for me And now I am in a slightly better place and rebuilding myself and rebuilding my life and figuring out what comes next. And as I rebuild and kind of looking around me and looking at the structures that have been in my life and the institutions that have supported my life and asking, how can this still stand? You know, how, how, how can this thing keep going this kind of aggressive reversion to normal that so many institutions are attempting to force whether that's the university or the arts in which I spend most of my time is murderous and its murderousness has been made so much more apparent to so many more people and I can't tolerate it anymore but what I do with that refusal what I do with that Burning fury that I have, I I don't know, and I I have this strong sense that I have to reorganize my own life, and that I can't bear to compromise the way I have in the past. I can't bear make the same decisions about what I can work with them as I have in the past, but I haven't figured out what's next yet. So I feel very much in a crucible right now.
2: It's funny because I think I um I have that same sense. So I do work in a university and. In the past, I had this sense that I was acting on behalf of the university. so when I talk to students about something that doesn't make any sense, like how we mark essays or some you know or what they need to do to get a degree, I would do my best to represent that in the best way I could you know i i I wouldn't lie, and I wasn't naive about it, but I think I felt like i um I needed to maintain that that was in some way valuable or made sense or I was part of it or something. Now, I sit in a classroom with a student, the student's having a shit time, I'm having a shit time, Um, and we actually just talk together about how absurd it is that the way in which we mark essays or um what they have to do to get a degree and like how how absurd it is that they have to pay so much money for it and then you know or that I'm not paid any money for you know um and somehow that's I think because I I think like you I don't feel beholden to the institution anymore I I don't I don't owe it anything because it's been so crap in so many ways so so, but I'm finding that quite freeing but you're finding it quite a weight yeah yeah
0: Thank you for naming all that. I think those are things that really needed to be said and I'm so excited to share them. I know there's lots of people out there listening, feeling really similar and it's just a it's an awkward place to be. I really agree, like there's been so much that has changed and I love in some ways that our tolerances have dropped really and there's a sense of, yeah, like no longer compromising, but also you know uncertainty about what that means but I mean time will tell like that something must come through right I as in some ways sometimes when I have peaceful moments I trust the process and that makes me feel quite hopeful but
2: we'll find out in episode three
0: yes exactly yeah so um in your work um you share about gender and we see queer culture and history so I wonder if you want to say a little bit more about how you are placing your work in that context and what's important for you and maybe how that's changed over time.
1: I suppose it's placing my work in that context, but it's also placing my life in that context. Those two are very interwoven. And like, I, like the the, phrase, the term that I like to use for where my work and life are sitting, or one of the terms that I like to use is is within a butch femme frame. like. I I think of Easter Road Press as a Butch Femme project. And I think of my life as a Butch Femme project, in which I'm like a the femme part of that. And like I become through that lineage of Butch Femme and I uh, work through that lineage and speak to it and play with it and resist it and and I, I I'm I'm so I'm very attached to my femme half of bitch femme because like in all of the ways that my gender has changed through transition in all of the ways that I've tried out different names and pronouns and like sat within womanhood and felt uncomfortable with within womanhood and being uncertain like the one term that has been like constant for me is femme like even pre-transition I would still Identify with femme and like that more than anything is something in which I like find my abundance, and so I I I I think of my writing and my performance. I'm often like drawing on a femme lineage of um, ornament, deliciousness, um, abundance, uh, play, um, steely fingernails, um, claws um uh (laughs) like attacking with a smile like those are those are all things that i draw in and everything that i do and it's a it's a source of magic and a source of power for me
2: that's very beautiful thank you um um i think i don't know i have maybe more ambivalence around um the pairing of butch and femme even though i think it is true that in easter road press and also my relationship with Josie, um, we do have a bit of a butch, um, dynamic on the go, and I think one thing I said, I think last time I was on the podcast, um, is that I see zines and, um, kind of small-scale, uh, print culture as a very butch mode of, knowledge sharing and cultural production even though it has its well it has its roots in riot girl right it very much has its roots in I would say femme teenage bedrooms and there is something butch about being in a kind of loving dialogue with you know and grateful to those kind of zine poor mothers um and I think also there's something butch about both in the case of some of the zines I make, treating feelings and personal experience with like a lot of love and care, but also keeping them quite small and boundaried. You know, I could decide um, my ze- my my feelings are worthy of a zine. They're worthy of an Easter road press stamp. They're worthy of a glittery cover, but I only want 10 people in the universe to know about them. and. Um, I don't want it to be anyone I know, so I'm going to ignore when someone I know tries to buy a zine. Um, so I think <laughs> there's something, you know, I've I've found zines to be quite a, a butch, or, you know, not, obviously, butchers come in many types, and not all of them need to be like small and hard and boundaryed about their feelings. But um, in terms of my butchness, I've found zines a, a way to express that.
1: Yeah. And I think I learned that actually from darcy and from darcy's butchness as well that like scenes really following behind what darcy was doing i saw what darcy was doing at least through a press when i was just using it for like poetry scenes and i was like oh that looks fun so i started writing like little memoir scenes as well and learning exactly that that i could put out some very difficult very personal stuff in a small scale way when i had been used to only producing things through, let's say the institutions of the arts and and always producing things with like a big audience and a mass audience or a general public, which doesn't exist obviously in mind, um, learning that I could make and produce in a different way and what feelings that allowed me to explore and bring out that was really important to me and this is why i I kind of persistently one of the reasons i persistently say butch femme and both of those things like in a relation because for me like us collaborating on a zine press together and also us collaborating like on a relationship together like is a butch femme dialogue in which these genders, these performances, these cages, these possibilities, speak to each other, reinforce each other, enable each other, and also bleed into each other, you know? Like I can borrow a little butchness from time to time if I need it, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think on a practical
2: level, if one of the many things that FEMs have done for butches historically is hold space for feelings and and self-expression and and in a consensual mutually affirming way which I don't think that's always been the case but if if that is one of the many things that they've done I think one of the things that Josie has done for me in a really practical way has been literally to show me you know this is what a good sentence looks like on a page like this is the number of pages you need to fold a booklet this is how you organize them for different page sizes and that's just like you know it's this this kind of technical practical labor and expertise that's actually created
1: emotional space for me I really love the concept that like me teaching you typesetting (laughs) was an act of femme service like that's beautiful
2: but we should still start saying femme femme butch rather than butch femme So you
0: say (laughs) um that is so beautiful (laughs) you so much for sharing I don't even know what to say yeah I see that I really see that in your work I think that makes so much sense and it's really beautiful I want to say that um the beginning of the pandemic one of my favorite pandemic memories was staying at your house and experiencing the press from the inside and you obviously weren't there um we had that was kind of I think yeah that was the first pandemic summer no one was vaccinated and we figured out because you were far away long enough that would be safe for me to stay and i really loved being somewhere else for a few nights i had been like so locked into my home which was really small at the time and um i didn't go through your stuff obviously but i just was in the energy of your things and how you do things and that was really really cute to see and everything that you just shared in that context totally makes sense to me and is such a gift to the world so yeah um Hmm, I would so you mentioned in the beginning that you're currently running a fundraiser together, which I think is such a beautiful example of how you inhabit community with so much integrity. It's not a straightforward fundraiser. It's a little bit more complicated in a really wonderful way. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that.
2: Well, um I guess the straightforward-ish part is that it is a trans health care fundraiser, and um listeners will probably know that a thing that many trans people have to do is raise money for their own health care. Um, so, Josie and I are trying to raise money for um my health care, Josie's health care, and the non straightforward part is that we also want to raise money for other people's health care at the same time. So, um, We've set the wildly ambitious but also quite necessary goal of thirty thousand pounds, and a third of that will go to um treatment that Josie needs a third of it will go to treatment that I need, and a third of it will go to other people's fundraisers with a focus on i think we said mad disabled and um mad mad disabled trans people and trans people of color um, and trans people who are just struggling to reach their um targets more generally because that we know there are a lot out there. Um, one of the things, one of the reasons we decided to do it that way was because we sort of sat down and asked ourselves, well what do we have and what don't we have? And um, what we don't have is enough money to pay for the health care that we need. Um, what we don't have is a healthcare system that provides trans people with the healthcare that they need. But what we do have is um, a bit of a platform, a bit of social and cultural capital, um, a bit of housing and income stability, and we wanted to sort of use those things to help um, raise money for
1: more, more people than
2: us, essentially. Yeah
1: yeah I mean I every day that I'm on social media I see fundraisers like appear on my timeline that are nowhere near reaching their targets and they're often much more modest targets than the things that I'm trying to meet um and often they are for emergency housing or I don't have enough money to buy food this month like and 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 within the 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 country that I live in within the cultures that I live in like the social safety net and social welfare has failed and well not failed but been deliberately dismantled to such a degree that people cannot afford many people cannot afford their basic needs we're in the UK might be worse yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and within a context of trans health care um trans health care for the majority of trans people in the UK is deeply deeply insufficient um and what is provided by the state is deeply insufficient. Um, and so sitting those two things together, like it was, I it was I could I I couldn't in the end, and I I chewed it around a lot of different ways, but in the end I couldn't conceive of raising like this much money without wanting to share it because it is also that sharing of resources, of knowledge that has enabled me to transition, that has enabled everybody I know to transition, but like that reliance on each other is part of, I think, what transition is. um, And I wanted to be doing that too we talked about it a lot on on many long walks about what was the most sort of useful practical and ethical way to do it and it is a huge target that we're aiming for we're sitting about 13k i think at the time that
2: we're we're starting to we're gonna do it we're gonna do it optimistic
1: we're gonna do it we just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and eventually we'll get there the other thing that i think
2: is different to a lot of fundraisers out there is that we've been quite withholding about the precise information of the healthcare that we need and want i think um completely distraught that i would have to share the like private details of my body and life with the world in order to get them to give me money and i also didn't want to like present myself as a tragic figure in order to get healthcare, you know, it wasn't that I am opposed to sharing in general. It's just I really didn't want to be forced to essentially give up my privacy in order to get access to healthcare.
1: And there's a politics to this as well, right? That um, and similarly, like I have a public life. I have faced a lot of backlash in public. I don't want to be disclosing like exactly what surgeries I want and can't get. Like, um, I don't want to be doing that. But also there's a politics to this, which is that like who gets funded in the world of trans fundraisers and they don't all get funded. And, And like, there is horrifyingly, like apparently a limited resource. There shouldn't be like, there should be an abundance of wealth for everyone. And like, Whiteness gets you funded, prettiness gets you funded, relatability gets you funded. Providing people of a story that says, I'm sad about this thing in my transition, and if I get this thing, then I'll feel better in my life, which is like a gross simplification that doesn't sum up anyone's actual experience of transition. But if you say that, if you say, you know, my face is making me feel bad and I can't live with it, please give me money and I'll have a happier face, like, but also, then people are more likely to give their money and that's all of that is political and so choosing not to do that and choosing not to do that in a very public way and trying to raise a massive amount of money anyway is also like an attempt to, to, towards redressing that and acknowledging we do have some of what is going to get us funded and we're going to share that with people who don't have some of what is get, not getting them funded.
2: Yeah, I think we've done that in a sort of practical way by, well, obviously not sharing a lot of private details, um, although I am sharing some private details now, kind of off the main fundraiser, um, but also uh, we have a sort of joy, I joy, quite a bit of joy in our
1: fundraiser It's page. called Help Darcy and Josie Embody feminine But Joy that's that's what we're saying it's not like pay for such and such a surgery it's help us embody butch and femme joy which might also be making it harder for us who knows I'm sure it is
2: making it harder for us because it's less well firstly we haven't said we can't possibly cope if you don't give us your money immediately and also it's sort of less intelligible in the world of fundraisers because there is a sort of normal or usual language that is used that we're kind of refusing to use.
1: Um, we're also also having really having fun in the process. it's having fun and it's yeah. enjoyable to do that. But look, we're it's going exactly the way we knew it would go, which is that we astonishingly like raised ten thousand pounds in the first week, and we're overwhelmed and couldn't cope with how beautiful it was and how scary it was. And now we're like eking out every hundred pounds until we get towards the end of the goal and that's just what fundraisers are going to be and they're really hard work and we knew it was going to be hard work going into it and i would say
2: you know at the beginning we talked about where our creative projects are and where our creative practices my personal creative practice is 100 percent attached to yeah trying to get another five pounds because i'm you know we're selling zines and promoting zines and writing zines and friends of the press are donating zines and um yeah it's all it's all about it's all about the fundraiser at the moment
1: yeah
0: I love that it's joyful and that was a really beautiful note to end on I think that's yeah I wish that for everyone to have joy in their fundraisers or ideally to not need the fundraiser in the first place
2: um Um, yeah yeah. not to spoil your happy ending but (laughs) I think it's 99% like no it's about 90% like grueling boring labor okay it's about 5% abuse online and it's about 5% joy okay but it's a very good 5% it's true
0: (laughs) okay Okay. yeah I hear that 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 makes sense I know it's really hard work I've only personally been involved in fundraisers and yeah it's hard yeah, we will. Um, I don't mean to make this about me, but I also want to use this air time because I know people that usually follow me are listening and they might be interested in this. Um, so I'm winding down my web design project practices thing in August because I'm going back to grad school, which is really exciting. And Woo! yeah, and I'm not going to make websites anymore um, except for fundraisers, which is really lovely. So I'll offer one to yours. And if there's someone listening who's been wanting to work with me and it's not going to get into this slot before August, they can donate £500 or more and they'll get a starter website and they can, if they're interested, book a call with me. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, so that's not a commitment. We can just talk about whether working with me would actually be right because it is obviously a big investment. Those websites are usually a grand, a £1,000 and yeah, it will be lovely if that works out.
2: Yarrow, this is wildly wildly generous and kind of you, and it is because of people like you that this is becoming possible for us so thank you so much, even the small things that you have contributed like enthusiasm, encouragement, email reminders that it's okay to tell people that I know about the fundraiser
1: um major major thank you Eric thank you and that'll be we'll be announcing all of that in I think an auction sometime in the summer we're going to be doing an auction unless it gets snapped up before
2: the auction maybe this podcast will set it off who knows
1: yes yeah
0: that's great I'm glad um we we've been you know you already talked a little bit about the politics of how you're doing things and because I also want to make space for dreaming here I would love to hear a bit more about what your dreams for healthcare are in general, for you and for everyone?
1: Well, what are the dreams of healthcare? Because there's the vision that we're heading towards and there's also what we can do right now, you know? So starting with the dreams of what we're heading towards, like on the one hand, we have to recognise that the systems of healthcare that we've inherited, let's say in this country, in the UK, are founded on patriarchy racism resource extraction bodily control that they're not systems of health care they're not systems of liberation they're a means of disciplining and creating productive bodies for a patriarchal racist capitalist state like that's what health is Right now, and right now, every bit of health that we can win through that is kind of one in the teeth of that. So, what do we want? We want a, a vision for healthcare. What do I want? I want a vision for healthcare. I want a, a world of healthcare in which people are looked after in their needs, empowered in meeting their needs by a whole communities where looking after the well-being of each other is integrated into every aspect of our lives and when enabling people's autonomy over their decisions over their own bodies and their own lives is part of the work of community and that that kind of vision I think requires a total transformation of what we think health is and how we get there Um. And it's something that has to run from birth to death through every stage in between. Um, how, we, how we give birth to each other, how we create families, resting the family free of patriarchal capitalism in the nuclear family, resting death free from the, the terrifying situation that it has become in, in, in countries like the UK where it's shuffled off into secret rooms and we pretend it doesn't happen and nobody talks about it and nobody's actually like so few people are actually looked after in their deaths and in between having an idea for health which is abundant and changing and flowing and isn't about just like holding your body in, uh, together enough that it can earn a wage and produce value for somebody else like these are all things that we want but how do we do that right now like some of that has to be won through political struggle, and some of it has to be imminent, like, in the present, right now. And so, you know, I pick one corner of that, which is trans healthcare. And things that I do to try and create health liberation now are I make and distribute scenes about, like, how to do your own hormones or how to have a better sex life, right? Right? Um, through transition like that that is producing information autonomously and distributing it autonomously within trans networks I my phone basically operates as like uh, an anonymous trans healthcare hotline and I like I get strangers and friends texting me all the time being like can you help me with this thing can you and sometimes I know the answer and sometimes I don't know the answer in which case I find out the person who does and 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 I I log on to internet forums like Reddit and ask questions and answer questions. So like that kind of information production and distribution, resting control of that information free from medical expertise and free from psychiatry, um, is is one way that I'm trying to do health liberation in the present right now. So what do I want? Health liberation, a totally different future. And there is one small way of doing it here and there.
2: I'm not sure I can follow that. <laughs> I think my dreams are a lot more, are a lot smaller and more concrete. I think um, I'm maybe more pessimistic about some of those grand plans. Um, and. Certainly less grand in the sort of I guess forms of change that I try to create in the world or that I hope to contribute to. I I think I don't know, I think this is just gonna be sound incredibly cheesy, but I think for me, every single person I know as an individual is so overwhelmingly amazing and worthy. That I would be content with helping that one individual like flourish and and live a life, so I think <laughs> yes my um, the ways in which I invest in health are are often are often much more person to person, and I think in that context, I hope that we can help each other recover enough from the hurt that we've experienced that we can find ways to navigate all of these systems that we're faced with and get what we need and not get wounded again every time it's difficult um yeah because i think at the for now we're going to continue to have to exist in relation to these systems and Um, without, you know, condoning them, I think there are possibly ways that we could resist slash survive them better. Um, I guess I've also been thinking about change and ageing at the moment, I think because I'm back in a a place that I've lived off and on for a long time, so I'm re-encountering people 10 years on in their lives And um, I'm thinking about how much I value people who allow me to change and I feel comfortable changing and growing around. And um, that's something I would like to do for other people at the moment too, is like to create space to change. And in a bodily way, you know, people like aging, people are not in the middle of their eating disorders anymore. People are um, trying on five different genders a week. you know, my voice is breaking. It's embarrassing. Like, I would like to hold space for all of those things to be to be happening in my day to day interpersonal relations. Yeah,
0: that is beautiful, and it's again such a good bridge to my next question. I um will say without like sharing too much about this that not everyone I love has made it, and I I feel really invested to in talking to people about growing older and really celebrating that at the moment and hearing what people's dreams are and how that can be supported. So I would love to hear, like, what are your dreams about growing older?
1: My dreams, I, like, I wanna be an old woman. I wanna be a wrinkly old woman, filled with magic and wisdom um reading a lot of books, still writing books, surrounded by books. I want to be a wrinkly old <laughs> woman, surrounded by a million books that people people who live around me feel lucky to come and get to have a cup of tea with. Like that's that's my hope for aging. That's that's my transition goal. Like my transition goal has been wrinkly old women for a really long time. Um and I think kind of with that like Trans is a online, online trans femininity, online white trans femininity is a youth cult, right? Because we all want to be teenage girls. Everyone, everyone in the world wants to be a teenage girl in some form, because that's what's marketed like through American entertainment, prim- prim- primarily through like the, the massive capitalist entertainment industry is like the peak of human existence is to be a skinny teenage white girl with a lot of money and beauty. Like and 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 when you're and you're trans feminine, often you've missed out on being like seen as a teenage girl at all. So this kind of fetishization of teenage youth, which is like is a is a thing that lots of us have to move through, is also like something that we're struggling with, something that we sometimes have to struggle against. And so for me, kind of holding up older women, wrinkly women as like pinnacles of feminine beauty and joy, um is 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 something that kind of strengthens me through life. So it's my goals um and something that I'm I'm slowly working towards. Um, I also just hope that when I'm old there's lots of old trans women around me and we get to be old trans women moaning at each other and making tea for each other and still fetching each other's groceries like we did 50 years before. That's also very beautiful.
2: Um, I think similarly I, I feel positive about ageing and I it's one of the th- few things that's happened to my body that's felt straightforwardly euphoric you know everything else seemed and I know that this isn't true for everyone and I know that for a lot of people particularly women aging is fraught with complications but for me um, getting a wrinkle has been relatively neutral you know as an event compared to say getting thinner or fatter or um, stronger or I don't know, better at bowling or whatever it is, like I've managed to attribute harmful moralising and value to almost everything that's ever happened to my body. But um, ageing has been remarkably freeing for me in that sense. Um, And there's certainly been uh, an exit from the male gaze that's maybe more associated with becoming butcher but is also welcome and and i hope will deepen as years go on you know that said like um i do worry a little bit about becoming so comfort is one of the wonderful things about aging but i also worry a bit about becoming too comfortable you know i want to still be able to take risks and make changes and um, I don't want to feel like things are fixed forever um, even though that's tempting, that would be safety and security right and that would be amazing, but it would also be <laughs> i don't know you know it's it's complicated basically and i and I also don't want to romanticize old age, you know so many older people are like abandoned or neglected or you know don't have the access to the world that they deserve um nonetheless i'm I'm excited about it
0: yes me too i'm happy to hear that i could talk to you two forever and i hope that maybe we'll talk again for a third interview someday but i want to respect your time so i will ask the last question which is where can people find you and support you
2: well if you want to find easter road press the best place to find us is on instagram we are at easter road press um and if you click through there you'll find our website and our etsy shop at the moment everything we're selling through the shop is going to the fundraiser um you'll find all sorts of other projects we've done um i'm not
1: really on the internet aside from easter road presses but josie is yeah and um, if you're not on instagram you can also get easter press at easter road press dot com um just that and that should take you to the right places or you could email us which is easterroadpress at gmail.com. That'll get to both of us too. Um, and for me personally, um I am on For My Sense Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at H. Josephine Giles um, or screen name Josie Giles. Both names there. And you can find more about my work at harryjosephine.com. Oh, and that's the fundraiser. The fundraiser is at gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash butch fem body hack butch fem body hack I believe that will get you to the fundraising but I think if you just google Darcy and Josie butch fem joy. joy you'll find it yeah <laughs> yeah but I think it's forward slash f forward slash butch fem body hack
0: that is so beautiful. I think URLs are spells as well. So that's so well chosen and we'll link it as well. As well. Um, is the Butch Archive still a thing that we should direct people to as well?
2: Yes. So the Butch Archive still exists. It's not updated anymore. So there will be some amazing thing that you should think, you think will be, you think should be there that isn't there. And I won't put it there. And, um, but I still want to hear about it, just FYI. And um, there are also some broken links, but it's still wonderful to play around in it's just um butcharchive.com and um yeah yeah I think that's that's probably us that's us yeah thanks so much Yarrow. it's been a pleasure
0: thank thank you you. it's been a hopeful joy and I'm really excited to share this and I'm really grateful for your thoughts and feelings thank you